Hello everyone, my name is Rudy Rosique. I'm a senior here at Syracuse University studying health and exercise science on the pre-physical therapy track. Prior to this, I was in the Navy for five years. And today I have a guest with me, his deputy director of the Office of Veteran and Military Affairs, Mr. Dwayne Murray. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, Rudy. Thank you for coming. So start today a little bit about your background and how you got here. Yeah, so um, I'm a 1997 graduate of Syracuse University, and um, I studied sociology and information studies. I was also a student athlete here. I ran track for a little while. Um, and then I joined the military. I served in the Army for uh, 25 years, three months, and two days. I joined right out of the uh, Syracuse recruiting station, and um, I had an opportunity to come back here after retiring, um, after serving in the military and retiring and being a deputy director for the Office of Veteran Military Affairs helping student veterans um, transition to college and um, achieve their, their dreams of graduating from Syracuse University. That's amazing. So what did you do in the military? So while I was in the military, um, I did cybersecurity. I was able to leverage my degree from the iSchool and um, do communications, satellite communications, um, help desk. I did a little bit of programming. But basically, I was in the IT field, and that culminated with me serving um, twice at the uh, National Security Agency, one at working in the National Security Agency or NSA, and the other one, uh, other uh, opportunity I had was with the United States Cyber Command, which was also at the time um, co-located with the National Security Agency. Well, that's, an, that's awesome work with the NSA. Like, you hear that word a lot and people don't really know what it is. How did it feel working there? Like, Yeah, so... Um, you know, I had to keep my phone in the <laughs> I had to keep my phone in the car. I'll just yeah. say that part. Um, it was pretty awesome work with um, you know work in a space that had a, a no joke uh, real world mission every day that had impact um, that gave me an opportunity to really you know cut my teeth on some technical skills um, and continue to grow that out. I worked with some amazing amazing individuals and um, you know it was just part of a really great team there. So it was awesome. It was pretty awesome. Wow. So you were in the Navy, I mean, correction, you were in the military for a long time. What was your favorite duty station? Uh, I would have to say my favorite duty station in the Army was South Korea. Uh, while I was there, I actually met my wife, who's also a Syracuse University graduate. Um, we did not know each other when we were on campus. And um, I, be, beyond that experience, I had a great time there. Um, I worked with, uh, again, I worked with some awesome individuals. You know, the Army is, is a fantastic environment to be a part of, as you, you know, the military is a fantastic environment to be a part of as you served in the Navy. But um, between the camaraderie, the opportunity to command the communications unit and, um, and meet my wife, I mean, I, mean, I, I got, I, I had an awesome tour. That's great to hear. So you mentioned that you went to the military after you graduated here. How was that? Because at 18, your mind is so you can easily get molded. Yeah. And so it was really easy for me to take direction and become like a yes man there because I was, I was trained to do it at such a young age. But after leaving here, getting your degree, you know how to think for yourself. You know how to act for yourself. So how was that going to enlisted yeah. after earning your degree here? Yeah, you know, um, I'll start by saying my experience at Syracuse University prepared me for a life in the military. Um, the critical thinking that you mentioned, um, the ability to deal with different people from different backgrounds and different cultures. I was already in that environment. Um, and so I really knew how to, how to navigate the space. Um, and so as much as 
as much as you have to take direction in the army or in the military, there's a lot of opportunity to actually be a critical thinker and be creative as well. Um, you know, so, so again, my time at Syracuse University, the education that I got and the life lessons that I learned prepared me for a career in the military. And I'd also say that my career in the military prepared me to come back to SU as well. Um, the life lessons that I learned, the, the way I was able to um, be technical and tactical and be proficient and understand about planning and, and strategy, uh, all those things prepared me to come back and serve in the role I'm in right now. You know, um, you said something in Nikon earlier this year, saying that the military is one of the diverse popula- companies in the world. And it made me think of a topic I had while I was in summering. My, in my division, it was me, my Hispanic, a Thai guy, and a white guy. Mm-hmm. And we're talking like, man, I want to be, be like in a Chinese or Russian or some other military where it was the same. Yeah. You ever think of that? Like, it's so crazy how yeah. you're so diverse and then like you come from the most diverse company in the world. Yeah. So, so a couple pieces about that, right? You know, first of all, we're, this year we're celebrating the 75th anniversary of the desegregation of the military, right? I would be remiss if I didn't mention that as well as the 50th year of the all-volunteer force. Which is a big deal. It's a big deal, right? Um, People, for the last 50 years, people from all walks of life have volunteered to serve in our military, right? Um, And so that just, just, when it's not mandatory, it just just speaks to um, the level of involvement that I think that we have chosen to be a part of as citizens. We've taken a stake in every walk of life and every walk of life um, is is represented in our military. Sure, there's pockets where it's not perfect, right? Um, there's pockets where we wish the numbers were different, but as a whole and as an enterprise, um, like I said at, at, our, at our convention, right? Um, the military is one of the most diverse organizations that you could be a part of. Uh, I would challenge anybody to, to take a look in terms of senior leadership and, you know, top to bottom. Um, I've been in units where I've been the, the only person of, of, of color, the only leader. Um, and I've been in, in positions where it's been exactly the opposite, where I'm one of many. And, um, and it's just, you know, it's just unique to, to see that and to see that form and transform. And I think that when you leave such an organization like that, um, I think everything else is you expect that kind of diversity. You expect that ability to be able to deal, see different people in the space. And you might not necessarily. Um, yeah. So I think it's pretty neat. Yeah. So you had a fantastic long career in the Army. What has been your biggest chance in separating? We only separated approximately a year ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, I started here one June of last year. Um, so this is my first academic year here at Syracuse University uh, that we just finished completing. I would say, um, wow, my biggest uh, my biggest um, transition or my biggest uh, challenge transitioning is just understanding a new space. Um, you know, Syracuse University is familiar to me, and so that kind of helps it. But also, uh, slowing down, you know, um, and resetting priorities. We've been as a family, you know, again, me and my wife served in the military 
for two decades. We've got 45 years of ex military experience between the two of us. And um, being able to always have to think so fast about the next thing and what's going on. And, you know, in, in, those, in those 20 plus years that we've served, we've moved 15 times, right? So pack up your whole house and move it down the street. Um, pack up your whole house and move it across the country. You know, if we moved from here to Albany, that would be a move. We wouldn't commute back and forth to Albany or to Buffalo. We wouldn't do that, right? And so we're starting to get the, actually we're starting to get the itch a little bit right now because being here a year, um, being on a, being in an assignment for about a year, as you know, you know, it's almost time to start talking about your next move. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, if you do the math, if I say we move, you know, 15 times, we probably moved every other year, every two to three years, right? And so that means that at the 12-month mark, they're contacting you and saying, hey, um, you know, you're in the window for consideration to move. And we need you to confirm or deny that that's what's going to happen for you. Um, and so you might buy a little bit of time, but you're not buying five years at one assignment, right? Yeah. It's, it's going to be time to move, you know, three years max. So, you know, understanding how to slow down and, and just enjoy the space. Um, it's not a big challenge, but I think that that's a challenge. And it's a challenge for our whole family. You know, you know I've got three children, three boys, and and they've moved with us along those moves and, and everybody is got to get used to um, being in their space and being familiar with the space and being comfortable now. So it's an exciting time, but it's also a challenge. I think a lot of service members don't realize the mental toll it takes to transition. Mm -hmm. It's just here at SVO, sometimes as e-board members, you speak to each other like, wow, we realize it takes about a year for some to just decompress. The yeah. first year, we don't really judge them on the character too much because they come in hot. They want to change everything. And like, hey, man, we got like 10, 15 people come to our meetings. They want like, we need to get 100 here. Like, mm -hmm. all right, we need to slow down. We need yeah. to get it, make a plan. And so we know it takes about a year. And what advice would you have for service members to transition? Yeah, I would, I would, when I transitioned. Um, and I also want to head back. It takes a year to like, decompress, yeah. not to fully transition. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it takes, a, it, may, it may take a lifetime to decompress. You know, um, I, I don't think I'm decom completely decompressed yet. I mm -hmm. think I'm still transitioning. Um, you know, it may take you twice as long to transition as, it, as as how many years of service you have. That means that I'd probably be 75 before I could say I'm completely <laughs> transitioned, right? Yeah. But you've been part of such a culture that has such a strong identity being in the military. Uh, you never forget those life lessons. You never forget those. You never forget the people you served with. You never forget what you learned. It doesn't go away. Um, my boss gave me um, three different things to think about when I transitioned out the military and when I decided to take this job. He said, number one, um, when you decide to walk away, don't look back. He said, number two, you define success in this chapter and number three as much as you shake your head right now and you agree with me you'll never know how much time the military took from you until you're completely out and so enjoy that you're completely out and understand that you define success and you can't look back and so that's the advice I would offer um, someone who's transitioning I would say when you decide when you make the decision don't look back. So basically, don't have any. You can't have any remorse, right? Um, 
you define success and um, you know there's a process and there's skills that you can that you can develop to help you methodically determine what success looks like for you you know it's okay to say no to some things because you want to say yes to something else you don't have to do it all um, we say in the military you don't have to sit down and eat the elephant in one in one sit down right in one yeah. meal because um, you can't uh, and again like I said number three you don't you won't really realize how much time in your instance the navy in my instance the army you'll never realize how much time the military actually took from you until you're out and 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 last summer while i was attempting to decompress i didn't realize how much time the army took from me um you know i missed a lot of things i missed a lot of birthdays i missed a lot of weddings i missed a lot of anniversaries and so now i get to enjoy those things now I don't want to miss. I don't want to miss a friend's birthday. It means something to. It meant something to me then, but now I have an opportunity to really take advantage of of being at those things. Um, Speaking about time, uh, something I realized, like I was I was out already recently out, and I was going to get like a smoothie or a cup of coffee or something. And it was like a Tuesday afternoon. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. Yeah. On a random Tuesday, yeah, during the week, I had no one calling me. Where are you at? Yeah. So where, where are you at? Like, yeah. did you finish this? Yeah, I don't have I, phone. I, right, yeah. you're not attached to three cell phones, right? <laughs> you're not attached yeah. to three cell phones. You don't have to worry about getting a call in the middle of the night saying, "Hey, you got to come into the office." Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You, you don't have to. You don't have to go take care of a, a sailor or you know or a soldier in my instance and 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 check on them and and yeah, yeah. But it's it's pretty crazy how much time. Even my free time. So I had uh, I was E five. So I did have somebody under me. I was like the mentor. Yeah. And he came in, no license, no car, nothing. Yeah. So I had to show him how to get a car, talk to him the whole process, how to get a license. And I physically drove him to these places. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just, I didn't get paid extra, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Give yeah. the same. I was like, this is what I did. I'm kind of saying heart, but I was pretty much told to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. and those are the things that make our military great, that you have somebody to take care of you like that and mentor you and, and, and hopefully that person appreciated that, but they also now know the process and they can help the next person that comes in behind them. But again, it, I mean, if you do it over and over again and over time, yeah, it definitely, you know, it, it has its place and it, and it, and it takes, uh, takes a little bit out of you. Yeah. And, um, so I read a few, before today, I read a few of your articles that the Search University did on you. <laughs> and it sounded like you didn't come from the most suburb area, yeah. should I say. And something I realized, a lot of my friends joined the military from my neighborhood, who I feel like grew up in the same type of neighborhood. Sure. They just really excelled in the military. The ones that were able to get past, like getting told to do all the time. Yeah. Do you think people who come from rougher neighborhoods should pursue the military to, for a way out? You know, um, I believe, so, so, I looked at that question and I'm gonna give you two answers. The first, the first way I wanna directly answer your question is I wanna say no. And here's why I wanna say no. I wanna say no because I wanna modify the question. Okay. I really wanna say that all young people should consider the military because um, I think that 
I, I think you're alluding to, um, you know, maybe a lack of discipline that, that we might have had growing up that I, I that I could definitely speak to growing up. I was a wild child growing up in Brooklyn in the Bronx and then, you know, eventually in Westchester County, um, right downstate, a place called White Plains, New York. Um, but also for those who grow up in suburbia or grow up with entitlement, um, I think that there's a perspective that they're missing. I don't think just because you have privilege, you have it all figured out. I think that that is a, I think that that is a um, popular misconception. I think just because you're smart doesn't mean you've got it all figured out. And, so, and there's some pretty smart people that would tell you that they don't have it figured out. They're just smart. And so they're, they're, they're kind of protected in, in that space. Um, I think there's, I think the more common idea is that um, the idea of courage and commitment and, um, you know, the things that the military or the values that the military would, would um, instill, even if you're in a nuclear household, um, could be, could stand to be experienced, reinforced, introduced to young people. And so an introduction for me, it was an introduction to some of those values, um, a refresher for someone who may have a different experience, a, um, a, a, a deeper dive for someone who has even more experience in some of those values. And so I think that, um, you know, there's also a popular misconception about a military student as well, right? Because you served in the military, you you joined the military because you couldn't you couldn't go to college. Well, that's untrue, as you know, and I know. You're you living know. proof, right? I went to college first, and then I joined the military. I didn't have to join the military. I graduated from Syracuse. I could have gone right back down state. I could have done a million different things. I chose that life. And, um, you know, so I graduated, I was in the army as a young enlisted soldier with a college degree, which at that point in time was uncommon. I think, um, I think more and more people are joining our military and they have some college experience if not, if, if they don't already have a college degree. Right. And so that, that, uh, improves the collective group of folks that are there to serve our country and, you know, it'd be I'd be interested to see what um, what their desire was and why they decided to serve. So, because it's totally okay if you do, if you decided to stay or you decided to serve initially because of the benefits that are being offered, that's totally okay. But why'd you stay? Yeah. Right. I have a question. Did you know what an officer was before you enlisted? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I knew about ROTC here, and. Um, I, I actually took a military science class oh. my senior year, and um, I went to the Syracuse recruiting station and said, "I want to, I want to, I want to be an officer." And they said, "Yeah, um, you probably can do it, but you need to consider enlisting um, because you would have a much more well-rounded experience and be a better officer." And so I took the bait. I listened to the recruiter, and I enlisted. It definitely was bait, but 
there has to be some truth to that, correct? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, great, again, great follow-up question, right? Um, there are units that I've walked into where um, the non-commissioned officers, um, the people that I work, that work for me knew that I had some list, enlisted experience because just because of how I carried myself. And that's across all the different branches. Yeah. Um, how you talk to people, how you come back and check on people, just how you present yourself um, it wasn't. It wasn't hard to figure out that um, there was something different about that guy right there. And then they start to ask. You know, in the army, they knew. They're like, "Oh man, yeah, you were enlisted, weren't you?" Or in the navy, you guys call it a Mustang, right? Yeah. So, oh yeah, we yeah, you're a Mustang. We can tell. Um, so you had your degrees in information, mm-hmm. and you worked at the NSA. You know, these things around computers and yeah. whatnot. And um, so as AI evolves, what are some things that people, everyday people could do to protect themselves. This is getting harder and harder, just like the Walmart scan recently. Yeah, we talked about that earlier, right? I think that uh, you got to do your research. I think that um, you've got to, you've got to do the second and third order research before you get involved in um, a marketing, you know, marketing idea, marketing attempt. Um, social media. You know, every time somebody sends me a social media um, uh, a message on on a social media platform, now uh, I actually call them. No, I'm not, I shouldn't say every time, but when they're asking me for something, when I have a friend that at, that reaches out and asks me for something, and we're having a and and we're having this, we may start some initial dialogue. I just you know pick up the phone and try to call them and say or i say hey man call me back and let me know what's going on so it's also it's a trust but verify type of deal you know we've and again that's like a military mindset trust but verify so i'm going to trust what you said in other words i'm not going to be rude or obnoxious or unprofessional but i'm not going to give you my information i'm not going to give you too much information until i know um, for real, that it's you. Yeah. Okay. So, you were in college before the military, and you're back at the college saying now, as the metaverse becomes more popular and people are moving to online due to the pandemic, and just the whole atmosphere is growing. Yeah. Where do you think the college education will be in the future? Do you think it's going to be online person, or yeah. do you have the goggles on? <laughs> yeah, good point. I think that there's an opportunity to leverage all of those modalities to introduce instruction to um, the college campus. When we think about, um, we've talked about the academic cliff. There's this academic cliff out there that says that um, as the recruiting numbers are going down, um, you know, our military is not necessarily making mission to bring people in the military. Um, there's also a smaller population of um, students that are going to college. There's a smaller number of people that are going to college. And there's just a smaller number of people that are graduating from high school in general, right? Um, the, the, so And so I think that there's an opportunity to intersect technology um, with meeting those requirements to deliver um, better educational opportunities for, um, for the population. You know, so so I think that colleges and, and Syracuse University, you know, is in that is in that um, is in that that frame that that same um, uh, area. It's an opportunity for schools to take advantage of that intersection to 
continue to deliver great opportunities and great programming and great, you know, college options for um, for our veterans, for um, for students in for students of color to to, to be international to uh, and just you know just just a myriad of opportunities. So it, it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a highly competitive space too. Okay, yeah, that's a good insight. Um, as you had me do a research project over the summer, it was fantastic research, but I found the culture of Syracuse University has changed drastically mm-hmm. from when it first opened. The whole world is different when it first yeah. opened in 1870. Yeah. But you weren't that here, you weren't here that long ago as a student. Has the culture changed since then? So, you're so first of all, you're far too kind. I was here <laughs> 30 years ago, it seemed, I think it is 30 years ago, 1997 is when I graduated. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, sure. The culture's changed, you know, as, as, as innovation, innovation has changed. Um, the student has changed. The student experience, the experience that a student wants has changed. Um, I think that the pandemic has an opportunity, had an opportunity to play its role in that. I think we desire now to be, um, in community more, but we are still, there still may be a hesitancy or and even the skill set to navigate the space now kind of has eroded right the the ability to to talk to people and be cordial and be friendly and be professional and and really be in dialogue and discourse with with um not just with people who are from different walks of life but even our own our own familial ties right like how many times do you walk into a restaurant and everybody's on a device? You know, there's All people. Time, yeah. You know, hey, we're here. We're here to have dinner. Let's enjoy each other and enjoy each other's company. And 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 you know, you feel like you have to be on the device. You know, no, let's dialogue. Let's look each other yeah. in the eye. You know, um, how many people feel more comfortable sending a text to someone than making a phone call? Yeah, it's tough. I noticed in the classroom itself, and uh, the reason I noticed only because the professor pointed out was like. Everybody in groups and no one move. Yeah. And professor's like, man, I swear the pandemic has something to do with this because before this pandemic, no one had issues getting in groups. Right. No one had issues. And 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 you couldn't stop talking in the group, right? Yeah. Like yeah. So so now you're forced to get in groups and it feels like it's so difficult to do. And and so while the pandemic has one role to play in it, um, I think that we've also, you know, I have a I have a I have a son that'll be here this fall. And um, to be in community is is hard now because, like, what's what's important? You know, what's important to 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 young people now? We put so much pressure um, to get a degree and to be successful, and I don't know that I had that pressure. You know, oh, okay, yeah. you know what I mean. I don't know that I had that pressure. You know, m- my parents. Didn't my parents wanted me to go to college? My parents wanted me to go to college. I'm a first generation college graduate, um, but it wasn't so. Um, it wasn't such an impressive environment. It wasn't such a pressure packed situation. And I'll be honest, you know, for me and for and for probably a lot of people, it the, the discourse in our household wasn't if you went to college, it was which one. Wow. 
Yeah. You know, and that's a different that's a different pressure. Like so, so there's an expectation. You know, my son, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, kind of had an expectation that he was going to go to college. And I wonder how many other um, parents put that on their kids to say um, it's not if you go to college, it's when, it's which one. Um, and that's, I mean, that's just, that's just, a, that's just extra pressure. You can see that in sports. You know, we've, we've added that same pressure in sports. I love sports. I love athletics. And, um, you know, when we talk to our young people, we talk about um, their performance and athletics and winning. And at some point, kids just love the game, you know, and that's why they started playing. And um, being competitive is great. It's great to win. It feels good to win. And it doesn't feel good to lose. But the thing that um, was always introduced to the scenario that cushioned the blow of losing, but also um, also brought into focus the idea of being humble after a victory was sportsmanship. Yeah. Um, and so you can shake somebody's hand, even though you won. We know the body language. You won, I lost. We can shake hands. And you go off and celebrate, but now there's this 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 other element that has made it very very competitive, where we forgot how to just have some sportsmanship about it too, you know. Recent excellent points are that growing up, I was very fortunate in my community to have both a mom and dad, yeah. and um, but their definition of success for me was like you could be a welder, you could do mm-hmm. anything as long as you're staying out in trouble and it's following mm-hmm. the law. That was their definition of success for me. But, I, you know, I feel like I want to do a little more in my life. So I enlisted, got here eventually. And I realized the pressure was on here. Like, you know, I need to buckle down. I need to yeah. excel. I want to compete with these people who are third generation of college educated. Mm-hmm. And now I'm thinking, like you said, my kid, they're going to have an expectation to go to college because yeah. I work Mattel off to get here. I'm, I'm like, which one? Hopefully they say Syracuse. <laughs> but... <laughs> That is, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's crazy, right? And and I'm not saying that I'm not saying that it's I think it's okay to have an expectation to go to college, but to put pressure, it's all about the pressure, yeah. right? Um one thing even though I probably um, you know, pushed my son, the one thing that I would that I would say is I want maximum effort from you. And there's a part of me that says that I don't care about the grades because if you put forth a type effort, if you put a effort in, you may not always get an A, but if you put in a effort, I'm satisfied and you should be satisfied too. In fact, you should be more satisfied than I am if you put forth a effort, if you did everything you could do, really, if you really, and and you only you know that, you know? Even with athletic competition, only you know if you really put forth all your blood, sweat, and tears into this team or into this practice or into this event. And if you don't, if you don't, uh, you know, to say it, to say it, you know, bluntly, if you don't bring it, you know you didn't bring it. Yeah. And you have to live with that. And again, I think that's something that the military taught us, right? Like that sense of integrity to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know what, man, I didn't bring it today. I just didn't bring it today. And because I didn't bring it today, I got to do better tomorrow. I got to do better tomorrow. I got to win the day. How do I win the day tomorrow? 
you know, um, you know, for me being a student here, it was when I when I realized that I that I wasn't necessarily doing the best that I could do as a student. Hey, I have to do something every day. I don't know about everybody else. I can't worry about everybody else. Some people can walk in and get it right the first time. But when I got here, man, I realized that I had to work and I had to do something every day. I had to read something, I had to take some notes, I had to do some type of preparation every day. And um, the days that I didn't do it, I was mulling over having to do the extra work the next day or the next three days or the next you know, three, four days later. And I had to look in the mirror and ask myself, did I do what I was supposed to do yesterday or two days ago? No, I didn't. Man, I completely agree with you. Because um, some grades, man, I try really hard, chemistry, physics or calculus and calculus man i got a c plus yeah but i almost wasn't even that mad because i did everything i possibly could do i went tutoring three times a week outside the classroom outside office out into when i went tutoring Mm -hmm. i did everything i could and that c plus was a lot harder to get than my a in sociology that's right and it was like man and it just if you put in the effort here you won't fail a class no there's you no lead, if you were truly do the best of your ability, I was out of school for five years. Mm. And I took that calculus class. I was, and I just put an effort every day, yeah. and I ended up with the C plus. So there's no way if you want to pass a class, you'll pass here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, funny story. I took a uh, I took a constitutional law class. <laughs> oh boy, I took con law one, and I think I got a D. I took con law two, I got a D plus. But did better, right? Or maybe a C. Um, and I just knew I wasn't. A, I, I, just, I just knew they were prereq. They were prereqs for another class. I probably was going through the motions. But I took. Um, they were both prerequisites for for a course I took in um, what's now the Whitman School of Management, uh, which was con- was a I'm sorry labor law and employment discrimination. Oh, right. And I got an A in that class um, because the principles translated. I don't know if I, 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 if I'm being honest now, I probably didn't put all my effort into those constitutional law classes. Yeah, you know, I probably just I barely went through the motions at that. But um, you know, when I got to the labor law and employment discrimination class, I, I, I probably retained enough along with wanting to be better, you know, getting off the mat and tired of not being good, not not being good enough to cut the mustard. And I got an A in that class. And it speaks to what you said. Hey, as, as long as you put forth the effort, you can do the work. So that's an instance of me putting forth A effort and getting A result. But there are times that I put in A effort and did not get an A result. Yeah. Um, and But I'm honest with myself and said, I put forth A effort, you know what? I have to live with the fact that it wasn't. There's something missing in there, and my and and that that just I wasn't good enough to get that level of a mark of an A. I think uh, we're talking about two kind of speech of the culture here in Syracuse. If you want to try, there's resources on this campus that yeah. will allow you to succeed. For example, for this past semester, I was re- I was taking cal- I was correction I was taking physics two and chemistry two. Mm. Tough. I was like every day in my mm. mind was just disintegrating. I felt like. Mm-hmm. But I need tutors. I need extra tutoring yeah. every single day. So I went online. I went on the school website and I found a program here 
that gives me vouchers to pay for tutoring. Mm. They gave me a thousand dollars worth of vouchers wow. for one-on-one tutoring, two hundred dollars every single time, and I felt guilty <laughs> the second time. The first time, like, oh, it's awesome, and he was like, "Can I please have more?" Yeah, don't even ask like that. Just ask it, and we'll give it to you. And I was like, "Whoa, mm. this is amazing!" For Syracuse University, just give me a thousand dollars for one-on-one tutoring. No strings attached. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that you really talk about right there, Rudy, is is learning how to advocate for yourself. And I think that being at Syracuse University, like, you know, that's what I learned. I learned how to advocate for myself. Um, No one is going to run behind you and ask you to participate. They may ask you once, they may ask you twice, but um, if you don't, if you, if you don't want to be involved, um, like, like, I don't, I don't like, I, I just, I just can't, I can't understand that. If you want to vote yourself off the island, <laughs> you know, if you want to extinguish your tiki torch like Survivor, we'll let you do that. You have a right to do that. Um, but if you want to be involved, here we are and we're involved. And, um, you know, a lot of, there are a lot of great offices that promote um, student advocacy on campus to give you tools to learn, not just tools to go um, not just tools to be able to get tutoring, but tools to be able to, um, you know, talk about some of the challenges you may have um, and connect you to other resources that make you a successful student, like the Writing Center yeah, or um, the Disability Services Center, right? Mm-hmm. Um, There's drop-in clinics for math, physics. Like, right. Those are awesome right. that people don't utilize. Right, right, right. I, again, I don't know if they know that the resources exist or that they know how to tap into the resources. There's a difference. Yeah. Like what college campus doesn't have tutoring support, right? Yeah. Every college campus in the country probably has some type of tutoring support. It's probably got a different name, whatever, but at the end of the day, it's called tutoring, right? It's, it, the premise is tutoring. But how do you, how do you tap in to the tutoring resource and get a voucher? That's different. To understand the voucher process, like who showed you that? Who told you about that? Um, and then when you learn it, you have responsibility to share it, to, 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 to be a conduit for information. In so many instances in life, we get information and we want to hoard it and keep it for ourselves. Um, and Rudy knowing how to access a tutoring voucher is, do, is going to do him no good in two years because Rudy will be gone. Right. Yeah. And so while you're here and while you're in the space, you need to be able to share that with not just student veterans, but every student that looks like they need tutoring. Every student that brings up the idea that they need tutoring. Um, and even those that don't, because the one that doesn't need tutoring today may need it next semester. Or they know how to tell someone else how to tap into tutoring. I saw excellent points. As soon as it gets me kind of uh, irritated at student veterans, they don't like to be involved on campus and they don't mm. like to make traditional friends. Mm. I will, I do have a handful of friends that are traditional straight out of high school and like yeah. we just talk about normal stuff like beer, partying, or you know, sports. And these are awesome conversations that we talk about different scholarships. And I've told them some that the VA has a HSPS, which is an awesome program. If you're trying to be a doctor or any any type of medical field professional, the VA hospital will pay for you to school. Yeah. And in return, give you a full-time job afterwards there mm. at any VA hospital in the country. Mm. And it's not only for veterans. Okay. So I tell like all the people in my house, like, these are awesome resources. And I tell them at the Veterans Center, fuck the VA. 
Hey, dude, come on, man. Like, these are awesome resources, dude, that yeah. you have to take advantage of. Or at least look into it. You know, it's my hope that, um, and, and, it's, and it's the job of our office to make sure that um, student veterans don't just stay siloed in that fantastic building that's over there, right, that we, that we live in, and that they get out and connect on campus. Um, like, that's what, I, that's what I want for every student veteran. It doesn't matter how old they are. I would tell you that regardless if you're an incoming freshman that's never been on a college campus and this is your first experience or you're a student veteran or you're a graduate student or you're a PhD student, there's something for you on this campus. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and the neat thing about the idea that if there's something not on this campus, Syracuse University will give you an opportunity to create if you understand how to go through that process. Um, and our office, and I'm sure that there are several other offices on campus that are willing to connect you to help you grow out what's, what's there. It, it's fascinating to me that you found out about this vehicle, this platform, while you were here on campus. And it would be my hope that before you leave, you bring the next Rudy in, the next student veteran in, and share what you found. And not only share what you found, but perhaps it ignites their involvement in this. Because if not, when you leave, it's gone. Yeah. Right? And so as much as I'm char as much as that sounds like a charge and charter to you for a response as a responsibility, right? We need our student veterans to be receptive to that idea as well. So it's not just you beating them over the head. It's somebody saying, oh, yeah, you mean I could do I could do this and you could train me and someone can train me because Rudy's here. Rudy speaks with authority. And if Rudy goes into the office, you already showed me your ability that <clears throat> the connection that you have to be able to come in here and edit and everything else. So if they give you that type of um, that type of leeway, you know, would they give you the opportunity to train essentially your replacement? Right. Yeah. Of course they would. So we need to identify your replacement just like we would in the military, just like we would in yeah. the Navy. Who's your replacement? You wouldn't just walk away in PCS. You'd have to show them some things. You'd give them a continuity book. Right. You would walk them through the paces of everything that needs to happen. That's a good shipmate. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's a good yeah. shipmate. You know. And so, you know, we, we got to figure out who's the we got to figure out who's going to who's going to take Rudy's place in this space so that this is something that continues to grow. Yeah, and I just, you know, I didn't think the conversation would go this way, but like culture is everything. And like yeah. when p students come in, veterans or non-veterans, and like, oh, there's no space for me in this giant campus. No, there's not. There definitely is. You just haven't is. found it. That's right, that's right. And like, if you wanna learn any instrument, I here's a spot. There's yeah. a trained grad student, or he just graduated, He'll show you how to play almost any instrument. Hey, yeah. I'll try to sing a DJ. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and 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 that's right. So there's twenty, what, twenty-three thousand students on campus? Yeah. Those are twenty-three thousand at least twenty-three thousand unique interactions that you can have. And the incoming class may they if you know five people from the incoming class that on day one you're 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 set right you're great like that's your little bubble right because they came from high school with you but the rest of the incoming class they don't know each other 
So there's 4,000 or 3,600 or however many undergraduate students that are representing the freshman class that come in. They don't know each other. They all, none of them know each other. The upperclassmen are more connected than everybody else. Yeah. So there's all these guys, all these guys and gals, all these incoming students, they don't know each other. They're all, they're all, they're all, they're all uh, the, the degree of, to the degree of, I don't, I don't have anything to, I'm not connected on campus. Of course you don't on day one. Yeah. But by the end of the semester, by the end of the semester, by the end of your first semester, you should be connected. You're in a dorm. You're you're in a class. Even if your life is non-traditional, right? Even as a wife with you know, if you have a wife with kids, there's something that connects you to campus. Because you're not the only you're not the only student. I'm guaranteeing you're not the only student. You might be in the minority, but you're not the only student with a family on campus. Yeah. There's another plug right there. Where is the student family organization? And we do have one. See? And so so how do you you connect to that, right? There's so many clubs and organizations. You can connect to a student organization that's focused, what I'm hearing you say, that's focused on students that have families. Yeah, Jennifer uh, Kino, uh, my last podcast, so I did Mothers in College. Yeah. And they explained to me how Syracuse just walked with men and their family and they have them. Yeah. See? And so, yeah, I mean, so that, so there's an opportunity. So if you, have a, if you have a family, that's nonsense. We don't want to hear that you can't connect with the students. Yeah, you might not connect with the 18-year-old, yeah. but there's, but your peers are on campus. Every peer group is represented here on campus. Something I do like really admire about Syracuse University as well is that whatever your goal in life is, you could accomplish it here. Yes. And even if you're yes. thinking about doing something else, you could, could try it. Yeah. This summer, I learned how business operate after in the third floor mm-hmm. in the National Veteran Resource Center. And I also learned how medical staff operate at the Syracuse football team. The same summer. Yeah, it was long days. but And I woke up five in the morning every day. But who cares? I learned so much. And I met right. so many people. And it was a blast. Yeah. So you embody... Being orange, oh, 100% be orange. 100% hundred yeah. percent embody being orange, and I and I, love, that's what gives me goosebumps, Rudy. That's what gives me goosebumps when when students get here and they embrace being orange. Look, we're not perfect. Yeah. No school. If you show me a perfect school with perfect professors and perfect students, I'm all on board. So none of those three bins have perfection sprinkled in them at all but you have an opportunity to fit in the gaps where there is uh, tension friction or just a space to grow and again I, 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 I think that's what that's what being orange is being a part of like being willing to roll your sleeves up and say okay I see the problem how can I help okay I see a student or I see a faculty member or I see a staff member and I want to be involved and I want to be involved in that. And how can I help this? And how can I, um, and, and, and when, when multiple people get together and feel like that, um, not only you don't get burned out because people are pouring into you and you're pouring into them. And, and, and the whole thing is just, it's just a great recipe. It's just yeah. a really, really great recipe. And then I would say like, just add on to everything you just said is like, 
your background doesn't matter here that much. Like when I first got here, I was like, man, first week, I don't even belong here. Yeah. Everybody's white. I'm the only Mexican in almost every single of my classes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my parents had me when they were 17. My dad didn't even graduate high school. Yeah. My dad was born in Mexico. And I still feel belong there. I love it here. Yeah. And they really brought me in. And my parents are super proud. And they come visit. And they love it here. They're glad like, I really pursue this. Yeah. So whatever your background is, it doesn't really matter. You could. <laughs> I was friends with some guy whose dad worked for ESPN. Yeah. And, you know, our parents had probably nothing in common. We have something in common both here. We're both yeah. studying the same thing. Whatever your background is, whatever your goal is, Syracuse University definitely offers it. And it will also allow you to, like, push to the next level, break the ceiling, and just go as far as you possibly want to go. Yeah, I agree. Um, I know, but I also know that there are people that don't feel that way. And there are people who have had um, a not-so-great experience at Syracuse University for whatever reason. You know, um, you know, we we have to be we have to be real about what's going on in the world, and we have to also know and understand that um, Syracuse University is not immune to that. Right? We're not immune to hatred or or racism or you know. Um, Do you think any of those are self inflicted though? Mm-hmm. Like you come in like uh, like it should be handed to me. Like you have the, almost like the victim mentality I can't I came in like I'm gonna kill it I'm gonna nominate I came in with one leg yeah I was on medical school when I got here yeah and I still like yeah I think that um again I think that everybody has a different perspective right I think that there may be some 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 self-infliction but there also may be forces you know you know let's call it what it is you know racism is still very alive and well yeah right in military too sexism is right right exactly so you know we just finished talking about the 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 military being the most diverse organization known to man it's not that does not mean that there's not racism and sexism and um hatred of lgbtq communities and it doesn't mean that does not exist in the military so if we're going to look at that in an organization i think that um there may be some is there so so i I can't speak for everybody but is there some victimization possibly yeah um is there some institutional things that are also set up that don't um work in favor of those um protected groups probably yeah right and so um, it's when those things collide. It's when someone who is who who takes a victimization approach um, aligns with definitely unintentionally, but aligns with a systematic thing that has a disparate impact to who they are as a person. Oh, that's even worse, yeah. right? But. You also have people who are not looking to be maligned or or being treated poorly or taking a victim approach who are treated poorly. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, and, and and the last thing that they're looking for is to call it racism or sexism or, you know, homophobia. And that exact that may be exactly what it is. You know, yeah. and, and, and so that's un, that's unfortunate. But yeah, we yeah. still, because we still, we you know, we're not, you know, we're not, um, you know, we don't have the uh, the lens to see the non the person who's not racist and admit them to Syracuse University. I, I mean, 
we hope that we hope that we can find that out and it doesn't and, and it doesn't creep into our value system as we admit someone, right? I can't speak for the admissions office, but I'm sure if there was something that was glaringly obvious in an admissions packet, that student would not be admitted because they're not aligned with the mission, the vision, and the values of the university. Yeah. Right? But we're also in a space where people, young and old, their 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 viewpoints and their and their opinions are being stretched. Right. Yeah. Um, and so those with the narrowest of minds, their viewpoints are being stretched. Those with the widest perspectives and the widest, broadest, most liberal opinions, they may also be stretched with conservatism. Right. And so I'm not trying to play. I'm not trying to play the middle here. I, I am trying to say that there are so many different opinions in the university is a melting pot. Um, and and and. We want to uh, we want to foster a space where people learn and grow, and if some of those ideas do seep into um, do seep into the environment, yeah, there's an opportunity to learn and to teach and to do it in love, mm-hmm. right? And so that's that's my hope, right? You know, yeah. again, I, it, things weren't perfect here when I was a student. I'm not going to be naive to think that all of a sudden they've changed. But I, but I, I do believe that, I do believe that um, people are well intended. I believe I always believe the glass is half full. I have hope. I have faith. I love our university, and I love that, um, you know, we're in a space where we have an opportunity to get it right. And 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 what we do then is what's more important. You know, if we right or wrong, you know. Then, then that's great. That's awesome. That that is that is growth, mm-hmm. and we won't always get it right the first time. Yeah, you know, no one does. Yeah, I mean, no company is perfect. No, sorry, not no, perfect. Man, yeah, no, no university, no business is perfect. That's right. And yeah. so, you know, it, it, it's when you walk away with the. And it, there are people who there are people that I know that have hurt and pain from an experience here, and, um, you know. I can't. I can't help them um, see Syracuse University the way I see it. I have to try to see it the way they see their experience, and we mutually expect we we mutually uh, respect how each other views this place. You know, and I'm and, and I'm not you know I'm not naive to think that their experience can't exist with coexist with mine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Again, there's 23,000 <laughs> students yeah. here. And so can one person have a completely horrible experience and still stay here, matriculate and graduate? Absolutely. Can another person go through um, go through this experience and totally love it? You know, to, to, to absolutely. So to equate that to the military experience, man, I got every every military assignment I want wanted, I got. That's great. Everybody doesn't get that. No. <laughs> See? <Yeah. laughs> See? Everybody doesn't get that. You know? Um, and so I had these great experiences because when they gave me a list, now granted, it was from a list. I didn't say, hey, I didn't yeah. pick off, I had to pick off the list. <laughs> yeah. You know? But every assignment that was listed, every time I went somewhere, I'm not gonna say I got to choose. I'm gonna say it happened that I got what I wanted. And, you know, and now it, it might have been a hard, who knows, it might have been a horrible exi- assignment at, at the end of the day, but I got to pick. Yeah. I got what I wanted, you know, 
buyer beware now, but I got what I wanted. And so there's some people who even walk out the military. You talked about the VA, you know, talk about that example with the VA. And there are some people who are spurned, may, may not may not think highly of the VA because of an experience that someone else had. Yeah. The VA is not the, the VA hospital, in my opinion, the VA hospital is not the VA hospital of today is not the VA hospital of the Vietnam era or the World War II era. And so is it fair for that person to put the lens on me of the VA, right? The VA of 40, 50, 60 years ago. Same thing about the military, our military experience, right? I'm not going to trash the Army. I had a great experience in the Army. But everybody did not have a great experience in the military. Yeah. You know, and so to walk around and say, hey, man, you shouldn't join the military, I'd be foolish to say that. You need to look at it for yourself. That's why I answered the question about the youth the way yeah. I did. It'd be ignorant to say, too, like, yeah, yeah since in my time experience, my experience in the military, I would tell people the submarine force pushed me farther than I thought I could ever go. Mm-hmm. I will never go back under the water. <laughs> I just truly would never want to live in the, without sunlight and and be able to eat what I want, yeah. or I mean, having like good food that I want. Yeah. And it, it really just pushed me a lot, but I don't think I would go as far as life if I didn't go through that. Sure. And that's why I just tell people like, I didn't have the best experience, but experience I wouldn't trade off. That's right. It makes you who you are. And if I told you that you were gonna have to go through all of that to become who you are, you wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you wouldn't do yeah. it. <laughs> if, you, if, if you told me, 30 years ago that I was going to go to Iraq and Afghanistan and Bosnia and I was going to be away from my family and I was going to miss all the things that I really thought I wanted to be a part of in life. You know, I was going to be away from my friends. I was going to be geographically separated from from um, from my family. I was going to be in harm's way. If you told me that and then said, but at the end of that, you're going to come back and you're going to work at your alma mater. I don't still don't know that I would do that. Yeah, I wouldn't know. Yeah. <laughs> right? Someone told me like you're gonna be driving the submarine and missionaries yeah. or something that might happen. You have to they get out there to put your hand in the toilet and clean and then go sleep in the bed with some other guy. Yeah. Like not with the guy, but like we share the bed. Yeah, the hot cut. Yeah. yeah. I was like, ah, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but man. But anyway, I think we hit touch on a ton of great topics and really yeah. the culture of just any business. Yeah. And um but do you have a favorite quote? Uh, and if so, you know, why is your favorite quote? I knew you were going to ask me about it, ask me about it. And um, so my favorite quote will be from Nelson, Nelson Mandela. I have it on my phone. And it says, the greatest glory in living lies not in never falling, or excuse me, never failing, but in rising every time we fall. And so that's Nelson Mandela. And so I think it speaks to um, a level of resilience that you have to have. I think it speaks to um, a level of um, of patience that you have to have to be willing to face failure, stand and stand in the midst of it and keep trying. You only need one person or you need only one opportunity to be successful, right? You only need one person. I only needed one college to say yes. And that was fortunately, fortunately after being denied, uh, receiving a letter of rejection, Syracuse University said yes. That's a whole nother story. Oh but, wow! Oh yeah, that's a whole nother story. But <clears throat> but um, you know, failing speaks to um, an attempt and getting back up 
um, speaks to not willing to lie down and not willing to accept defeat. Um, you know, we say that the military is a contact sport and is competitive and winning matters. Yeah. And winning matters in life. If you're winning at life. So if you define success, back to the very first thing that we said about <laughs> advice, you know, if you define success, then you can say, and, and winning matters, then you can define success in your wins. You can find how you're supposed to win now. Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, Nelson Mandela's life is, is, um, is very um, indicative of that, of that statement. Wow. That's a fantastic quote, and I don't mean to take away from that quote by any means, but like it goes aligns with one of my favorite quotes. Sure. And it goes, "You have to be greater than your greatest obstacle." That's right. So like you fail a test, you know that sucks. You probably feel bad for a couple yeah. of hours. All right, what do I do? What What do I have to do to be greater than that obstacle? Yes. Obstacle is my right. math test. All right, I have to be greater than that. I have to study harder, one on one tutoring, whatever it takes mm-hmm. to succeed. Yeah. And again, the military teaches us that, right? Yeah. It teaches us how to push through. Um, and be honest with ourselves as well. So, fantastic. Yeah. Um, do you have any last second thoughts or comments, advice? Um, wow. I mean, again, I, I love this great institution. This is this is such a fantastic place to be. Um, I wish I, I sorely wish everybody felt that way, but they don't, and it's okay, right? Um, we have to meet people where they are and we have to be willing to to to, to love on them to, to move forward and um i'm proud of you um Thank excited you. for what's going on for you and in, in, in your life and with um this great university and um yeah i think i think that our office is poised to support more veterans like you and 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 to be a not just support student veterans, but be a force on campus for our veteran and military connected students, and just be a shining example to the university. Um, and I'm excited about our future. Fantastic. Well, I greatly appreciate you coming on board, speaking with us, and talk about various topics. And I know you're a busy person. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Rudy. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. <laughs>